Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. Um, it'll be a great day to listen to Hope Talks. Pastor Margaret, if you'd like to introduce our guest today. Yes, it is a joy and a pleasure um, to introduce Pastor Baker Riggs, newly appointed chaplain at the Rottingham County Jail. We have sitting with us today an answer to prayer. And I am so excited about this podcast today, this program that uh, Baker is going to share with us um, some of his story, and uh, today we get to hear a little bit of how God works in a life and makes all things new, and He restores what the locusts have eaten, right? That's right. And uh, and He uses us for His glory and to share the gospel. And I've met Baker back I don't know a month or so ago now, and. Um, you know, today we're sitting in the studio, and we both showed up with a black shirt on and the same color pants. It looks like we dressed up for this. So um, um, that's just kind of when I met Baker. It was just something in my heart that connected. And you are a minister of the gospel coming from North Carolina. And uh, we just want to hear a little bit of your story today. And uh, I would love, I'm excited for the community just to hear um, who God has brought through much prayer uh, for a new chaplain, um, who God has brought um, to us to take that position where Jason Wagner was called to another jail. And um, we knew, we talked one day, we were having a prayer meeting, praying about you coming, and they were kind of praying for someone kind of like Jason. And I remember praying that um, whoever is coming would not be able to wear Jason's armor, that he would have, God would prepare him with his own armor, and Jason was here for such a time as this, and now God's going to bring somebody that may not look like Jason, but it'll be the right person for the job. So it is such a blessing to sit here with you today. So if you would just start out telling us a little bit about where you're from, how you grew up. Okay. Uh, before that, you mentioned Jason. Um, I've had a couple of cups of coffee with Jason. Nice. We've met a couple of times, and uh, at one of our meetings at the end of it, I looked at Jason and said, I can tell we are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> we, there was a strong connection That's there. That's great. We're different, but uh, same from, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. 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 And same type of passion. That's right. Well, I grew up in North Carolina. I was the baby of the family. Uh seven of us siblings so I was the one that was picked on (laughs) the family was not uh, we were not a faith practicing family we had some morals but we were somewhat dysfunctional Um, my father uh, was a very broken man Mm. and shrouded in mystery Mm. Uh, and so I grew up thinking that was normal I grew up in a family where he was somewhat present, 
but there was no real deep relationship mm. between me and my mm. father. And, you know, years later, the Lord revealed to me that uh, I was denied access to my own father's heart. Mm. And he more than replaced it as a heavenly mm. father. Yeah. But uh, we did not go to church uh, Occasionally, my brothers and sisters would go, and my experience with church was when I was 11, 12, 13, I went to the local Methodist church occasionally just to play on the church softball team, Mm. and so my motive was totally different. I wasn't there to have an encounter with Christ, and I didn't, Um, and then after that, in my early teen years... After being the baby, the rest of my siblings, most of them were gone, Mm. and I was alone. I had friends, but was kind of bored, and then I began to experiment with drugs, and by this time I was 13, 14, and I actually had a brother-in-law who was a dealer, And one thing led to another, and then I began a lifestyle of uh, abuse. And I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, I had an addictive personality, I guess. And I was very abusive with anything I had. And so I would, if I had, I would try anything. So whether it was pot LSD, angel dust, if there was some in my drawer, if it was there, I was going to use it. And I was very fortunate because I believe there were a couple of points where perhaps I could have died. Mm -hmm. But the Lord, that wasn't his plan for my life. And so as time went on, I just decided uh, because of all my resources, I could get things for other people. And so I did and began to uh, uh, sell myself, really just enough to supply my own needs. And um, in high school, uh, I guess when I was 17, uh, someone was sent to me who was an undercover agent Mm. And I ended up getting arrested. And in one day, my whole world turned upside down. And the only thing that I can compare it to, just the sudden shift in your life, was when I finally came to Christ. It was, uh, that one was a lot better than this one. (laughs) But it happened on a a Monday morning, and... um, I was in sociology class, and a voice comes over the intercom and asks if I was in the classroom, and uh, the teacher said yes, and uh, the principal asked for me to come to the office. I left my books, my coat, because I wasn't expecting anything, Mm -hmm. so I'd go to the principal's office, and as I approached the office... Myself and two of my other buddies, who I ran with, who had also sold to this undercover Mm. officer, 
the three of us are in the uh, the foyer of the office, and and the secretary tells the principal over the intercom that they're here now, and he said, send them in. And I walked into the principal's office, and there was the undercover agent. There were police and the SBI. And the next thing I know, I'm being handcuffed and being read my rights, and uh, my world is turning upside down. And... Um, they escort us individually to the jail. We each had our own private limousine ride in a, mm. in a patrol car, and I didn't see the other two. And I was interrogated and fingerprinted and threatened that if I did not tell them where I was getting all my supplies from, I had enough charges on me to go to prison for 70 years. And uh, I had sold... Um, Encyclidine, which is angel dust, and maybe some cocaine, and then a huge amount of marijuana. And um, so I wound up in jail, solitary. And, you know, the first thing that I did, uh, you know, I thought in myself, I'm not going to finish school. How am I ever going to make a living now? I mean, I am... I had been caught mm-hmm. and booked a felony record, and um, I asked the police officer for a Bible, and he gave me a Bible, and I didn't even know how to read it, and I did not get saved, and it wasn't like I was reaching out for salvation, mm-hmm. but something inside me in this topsy-turvy world in my head, I'm thinking, I need some stability. Mm-hmm. And so it was that Bible. Mm-hmm. And I know the, the Lord was laughing. I wasn't. I was crying on the inside. And uh, my father couldn't even come and see me. My mother couldn't come and see me. My brother came to see me and gave me a radio to listen to in this cell. And at that night, the radio would be playing on the local station. And every so often, a report would come on the radio about the big event, and it made the front pages of the paper. And back in those days, it was big time, you know. And uh, so I was released uh, after three or four days. I think my bond was $20,000. This was back in 1979. Mm -hmm. But that did not stop me. I continued my ways Mm -hmm. and uh, had... Close calls afterwards, mm-hmm. being pulled by a highway patrolman. I was in a car, and we were partying mm-hmm. while I'm awaiting trial. And then another time, I was partying in someone's house, and police knocked on the door. And mm-hmm. I ran out and uh, fled for my life. And, you know, these incidents rocked me, but they still were not jarring me from this bondage I was in. Mm-hmm. And didn't realize I was in. And so the bottom story is I was convicted. I was five years probation, and I had to do weekends in jail. And a lot of people think or they thought that that straightened me up, but it did not. I was still not in a good frame of mind. And um, the two guys that I were arrested with, 
we were in a different jail serving weekends together, and they put us away from the population. It was an upstairs jail unit, and they called it the penthouse. And so they put these three 17-year-old kids up there, and we were confined to it all weekend. Well, honest to goodness, this person that I'm talking about, the old me, I just, he was crazy. And so I ended up after the first weekend in jail, the next time I came back with drugs in my shoe, because I noticed that when I was frisked, they never checked my shoes. And so for a couple of weeks in there, I was partying in the the upstairs cell. This is how found I was. Anyway, uh, people don't realize getting busted did not change me. It was just one of the things. But what the key element in God beginning to draw my heart was on the front page of the newspaper, um, my two buddies and myself, it was a big picture of us handcuffed, coming down, escorted down the stairs. And when the community saw this, Christians in the community began to pray for me. Mm, They began to call on the name of the Lord. And the first sign of kindness that I saw were from people of faith. Because when I returned to school, I could feel the scorn. The teachers uh, that I had, I could feel them. The judgment. The judgment. I I believe they thought I was a thug. And deep down inside, there was this tender heart that was just buried under so much Mm -hmm. junk. Mm -hmm. And so... The principal sat me down and talked to me. Everybody had words of advice, but they seemed to be condescending. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what I dealt with. But then one or two people of faith, I would run into them. And, you know, they would say, oh, we're praying for you. And I felt not rejected or looked down, but embraced. And there was this little old lady, and she was from my childhood. And I was walking down the street, and she saw me. And I was expecting the same to her. And she reached out and hugged my neck. And she said, oh, I have been praying for you. When I saw your picture in the paper, I prayed for you all night. Mm, And so these are the drawing, the, the hooks that the Lord began to impart in my my heart and draw me. And then after that, these things were eye-openers, but I continued in my ways. But from then on, uh, the Holy Spirit took over. In His provenient grace, He was beginning to draw me. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it at the time. It was Holy Spirit, but... Uh, he had to do it. The prayers of the saints mm. were crying out for me. 
and he was drawing, and I would, uh, I would still get high, and I'd get in my basement, and as I was getting high, then the thought came to me, what if this is the last day of your life? What if you die? Where are you going to go? And at that time, I would, I would say of myself, I was semi-agnostic. Mm. I kind of believed in God, but I wasn't sure. Mm. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't want the devil. I didn't, you know, <laughs> uh, but I wasn't ready to surrender. Mm-hmm. But these sorts of things continued to happen. And then sometimes I would come home after a night of partying and I would turn on the TV and there was a program. I would be sure, and I would be stoned out of my head and I'd turn on this program and it would be a, a, a person on the TV talking about the gospel and it would draw me in and then I began, light started coming in. And one particular time, the person on the TV said, there's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light, and you're one or the other. And if you're not in the kingdom of light, you're in the kingdom of darkness. And that was an eye-opener. And I thought, I don't even like the devil. And I'm in his kingdom? And so these were all truths being revealed to me without sitting under a preacher at the church. And then finally came the tiredness of the life. And one Monday morning, January 28, 1980, I wake up and I get high. And I'm going to school. And I'm going to school high. It was just what I did. But still, there was this tiredness. And then before school started out in the yard, before classes began, I had a buddy who I used to party with. He came up to me, and he tricked me. He asked me, what was I doing that night? And I thought he wanted to go out and have fun. I said, what do you want to do? And he invited me to church. (laughs) There was a revival at a Pentecostal church, no less, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he wanted me to come, and I him hauled, and I said, uh, uh, okay. And so I went to school that day, came home, and I knew he was coming at a particular time. Him and some friends were coming to pick me up, and I was going to get high. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to get high and go to church. <laughs> I will wait till after the service, and then I'll come home and relax. Mm-hmm. And so um, they picked me up. We went to church. The evangelist spoke, and I don't even remember what he spoke other than Jesus could come back today. And during that service, I'd already been dealt with. Uh, my friend, whom he was the exact type of person my personality needed because he was an in-your-face person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the altar call, people were coming up, and he sat beside me and looked me dead in the eyes and said, do you want 
to uh, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And all along, I was kind of wanting to, but just, eh, I'll keep putting it off. I'll keep. But in that moment, I just surrendered. I said, okay. <laughs> and uh, based on my past and my experience and my dysfunction, I have to tell you, I had a good combination of pride and rejection all working in my life. Mm. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I see now the dynamic in my heart. And so I, I went to the altar, and I felt, because I did not know God, I did not, I know Him now, and had I known the truth of the God that I serve now, then I would have not only run to the altar, I would have stayed at the altar. But I went to the altar, and I I knelt and prayed. And my prayer was, God, even if you don't want me, I'm still going to serve you. It was a decision of the heart. But knowing my past and all my sinfulness, and the drugs was just a part of it. There's shoplifting, breaking and entering all sorts of petty crimes and just things I did to other people. It was just a plethora. I just didn't think God was very fond of me. However, I come to find out His love for me was unconditional and loved me in my sin. And I didn't get it. (laughs) I didn't get the memo. But He just so honored that prayer. And then after the prayer, the evangelist and all these things, God, God was putting out his net and drawing this fish in. And these were all things necessary for me to come to the point of just total surrender. The evangelist took my hand, took me on stage in front of the whole crowd, and had me confess what I just did. And so I just told everyone that I just made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Praise the Lord. And so that was the beginning. And then three days later, God gave me an encounter um, in a home. And several of my friends and I, they decided to take me over to this house in the town over, and a family was staying there, and there were other people there. The news of me getting saved was spreading in the community because of the drug bust and the fame of it, so to speak, which was a good thing because it worked with this, of mm-hmm. getting the word out. And so they took me over to... a house and there it was a group of people and young people and in the group there they wanted to pray for me and so they prayed for me and there and that moment I had an encounter and the Lord showed up and under no <laughs> it without a shadow of a doubt he allowed not only he ripped the curtain and revealed himself in a way that I could never doubt him. And uh, he physically allowed me to feel his love. And what that did, 
it broke a dam in my heart. And this sensitive, the true person that God called me to be that was buried under all that junk Mm -hmm. and rejection and the pride, the, the dam broke. And I wept and wept and wept like a baby. Didn't care. Yeah. Didn't care. God was allowing me to feel his love, and he spoke to me. And he conveyed to me that not only did he want me, but that he wanted to use me. And this young 18-year-old kid didn't know anything other than to say, yes, sir, you got me. I'm yours for the long haul. And so that was the journey. That set me on the path. And the path that he set me on was totally different than any path you could imagine. He broke all the rules in religiosity. I did not come up that way. And after I graduated, I had my bags packed for Bible college And then my father left home, and that's another story. It just, it's been one miracle after another. But this, I was canceled from going to Bible college because I knew I had to. Uh, But God said, No, I'm going to show you all, I'm going to show what I can do. And um, the door was closed, and He opened a door for a company that was new in our community, and it was a very good company. And this young kid, fresh off a felony record, who had no business <laughs> getting, you know, it, I was a year, less than a year old with a felony record, and God gave me favor with this company. And there I stayed for 25 years, married and grew a family, and in the meantime, brought me in to another group of people and ended up being a part of two church plants, Mm -hmm. which God attended with his favor and my part in it. Mm -hmm. I grew up as a worship leader, not with the best voice and not the best playing ability, and God used it so strongly. Mm -hmm. And all I could do was look and understand, okay, I am being used. And so I would just surrender. And then I, I, I did all sorts of ministries ordained and under the network because uh, those over me and in the network saw a grace mm-hmm. operating that was beyond normal. I was ordained. I took courses but never got the degree. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Then in 2008, after years of two church plants, and both of those stories are phenomenal. You see God's hand. He brought me to the land of promise, uh, Culpeper, Virginia. (laughs) And really, it was. And before he did, he clearly spoke and confirmed through others that He was bringing me to a better place, Mm. and it was glorious. Not only geographically, it was a better place. Mm -hmm. It was spiritually and the season in my life. 
God gave me a promotion. And he once again, he did his thing. All I had to do was go, and he opened the doors. He did things I could never dream of, and I cannot get into it now, but the favor was so strong that the the Culpeper community knew who I was, and I didn't try to make myself known. Um, and he gave me so many connections and relationships, and what he did was phenomenal. And then in 2020, after I had seven kids of my own. Yeah. And again, the favor of God it was just phenomenal. And uh, my two oldest are worship leaders and on staff in churches. Mm-hmm. And then the others, I have others involved in church, but they've all had their own roads and God's favor has been on them. But my wife Sharon and I moved to Luray in 2020. And again, it was a drawing, a net. God was bringing me further on. And uh, we had a fairly nice-sized house right outside of Culpeper. But with all the land in the house, it was too much to take care of. We wanted to downsize. And then that was when the next miracle took place. And about us getting the house, that is another story for another. But God made himself very real. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that the first part of Baker Rigg testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. We also pray that you'll tune in next Sunday at noon right here on 1470 AM and 102.1 FM WBTX for part two of Baker's testimony. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.